fulfilled to get the outside of the church painted. And uh, Jack was successful in the job because of his technique of fitting uh, down paint and, and cutting corners. And after about a week, he had got the job pretty much done. And out of the blue, there came this massive thunderstorm. And this thunderclap happened that sort of shocked and shook Jack. And, and then a downpour, a deluge came. And, and the, the, the paint that he'd put, the thin dye paint he put on the church just, just washed off. And uh, a lightning bolt struck and hit the scaffolding he was on, threw him onto the church lawn. And he was just, he was lying there looking up into the sky, the rain pouring down. He was surrounded with puddles of thinned out and worthless paint. And he felt convicted. He felt that this was, this was the Lord intervening and, and, and basically calling him to task for what he had done. And he said, God, uh, sorry, sorry for what I've been doing. And sorry for thinning out the paint, and what do you want me to do? And with that, there was another mighty thunderclap, and uh, a voice spoke from above and said, repaint, repaint, and thin no more. Should probably get a joke book at some point, shouldn't I? The Christmas presents for next year would be good. Repentance is at the heart of the Christian faith. Repentance and faith are things which are, they're always constants in terms of our journey with Jesus Christ. Uh, as one writer I remember reading years ago had said, you know, we never move beyond repentance and faith. The whole Christian life is about repentance and faith. Repentance is about turning around and going in an entirely different direction. And in becoming a follower of Jesus Christ, it's, it's about being given a fresh start by God when we realize that we've made a mess of things and we come to Jesus knowing that we need help. Everyone starts their Christian journey coming to the Lord and saying, help, I, I need help. That's the reason why we come to Jesus. And we realize that there is hope because this fresh start, this, this new beginning, which is for the whole of creation, and we had that wonderful reading over the Christmas period from John chapter 1, the fact that this is a, a new beginning. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, He was with God in the beginning. And then there's this just echo of Genesis of the fact that Jesus Christ, through His death and resurrection, has brought about a new creation, that everything is like had a restart button hit for the whole of creation. Every star, every planet, every galaxy, every solar system, every human being without history, all of creation. And obviously that includes us as those who are part of God's creation. And that new start is about forgiveness. It's about God coming to dwell in us through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we trust Jesus, and that passage from John's gospel, is about being children of God. And the thing about being a child of God is the fact that, I love the fact that children are, are like little sponges. They love to learn. They pick up things so quickly. They're always hungry for responsibility. Can I, mommy, daddy, can I have a go at that? Can I, don't, don't bother me. I, let, let me do this myself. 
We know what it looks like whenever a child is playing, whenever they're taking on responsibility. Children have an innate desire to learn, to grow, and develop. And for us as children of God, we are to be like sponges. We are to be those who have a constant hunger and thirst for development, for learning, for growth. And we should enjoy and relish that childlike nature, whether we're eight or 18 or 80, whatever we happen to be. The joy in the Christian life, part of it comes through living in that state of, of childlikeness, inviting the Holy Spirit to be our trainer as He, as he whispers truth and encouragement and challenge into our lives. There's really sort of, I suppose, three aspects to our salvation, and we have a slide that'll come up there. Salvation can be described as being in three tenses, that we have been saved, we are being saved, and we shall be saved. Quite often in the Western world, we focus on the first aspect of our salvation most of all. We, we concentrate on the fact that we have been saved. And it's really, really good to focus and celebrate the fact of what Christ has done through His death and resurrection. We have been saved. And so when Ananias, the disciple, was speaking to Paul or Saul of Tarsus, he said to Saul, get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. And so Paul, stepping into this calling of becoming Paul the apostle, knew the fact that he was saved, he was rescued. That's how he was able to look his fellow brothers and sisters in the eye, because he knew that they had been washed clean and he had been washed clean in baptism by the forgiveness of his sins. To live the Christian life, it's really for, important for us to know we have been saved. The old has gone, the new has come. Everything has been forgiven. The slate has been wiped clean. And it will continue to be wiped clean every time we mess up and say, God, forgive me. But also, we are being saved. And perhaps the aspect that is least focused on for us in the Western world in Christianity is the fact that we are works in progress. We are people with L plates, we are learners, we are apprentices, we are disciples. That's what the word disciples means. As a church, we're disciples making disciples. Discipleship is about being an apprentice, it's about being a learner. And whenever Paul was writing the church in Philippi, he said, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Continue to work it out. In other words, it's an ongoing process. It's a now thing. We are being saved. There's an aspect to our salvation. It's ultimately God's work. We cooperate with His work. It doesn't happen unless we cooperate, but it's a now thing. It's a present tense thing. And then we also shall be saved. Paul writes to the Roman church, wake up for your salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. In other words, there's an aspect to our salvation which is coming down the track, and that's good news. And so, we read we heard today about the resurrection of Christ, that He was part of the first fruits, the first part of God's new creation. And He had this resurrection body. He wasn't just a man brought back from death. He was actually alive in a brand new way. He was never and shall never die. He can be touched. 
He can eat. He can touch and embrace. He can speak. He has a resurrection body, but one will never encounter sickness or death. That's the type of resurrection body that you and I will inherit. So we shall be saved. We shall pass through death into everlasting life. Hallelujah. So we have, we are being, and we shall be saved. And during 2024, we want to step further into that on this pathway journey, and particularly that second one. What does it mean to be ongoing saved? What does it mean to step into that? Our response to the love of God is to admit that God has not been first place in our lives, to believe Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead, and He is alive today, to accept God's free gift of salvation and to stop trying to earn it, and to invite Christ to come into our life to be in charge. I know many of us, most of us, have done that before, but the start of this new year, whether it's a commitment or a recommitment, I think it's a wonderful way to start this new year to say, Lord, this year is all about you. So there's a prayer there that I'd love us just to look at, and if you'd like to in a moment to pray, for us to pray together this simple prayer of recommitment or commitment. And an integral to this prayer is saying, I've got a lot more to learn. Integral to this prayer is saying, you know what, God? I want to worry less than I do. I do want to be as short-tempered as I am. I want to become a more gracious and generous person. I want to stop speaking ill of other people. I want to live a more joyful life. I want to be filled with peace. What's not the like about putting our hands afresh into the hands of God and saying, Lord, you have saved me, you will save me. I want you to keep saving me. I want you to keep transforming me. So if you're up to pray that prayer, let's Let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, thank you for making and loving me. Even when I've ignored you and gone my own way, I am sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything that I know is wrong. Thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit and help me to become like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I just thank you for my brothers and sisters, and thank you, Lord, for this threshold moment at the start of this new year. And Lord, thank you that it brings joy to your heart whenever we just say afresh, Lord, come and have your way. Come and show your glory and mercy and majesty and forgiveness and authority and in my life. Do a new thing. Do a new thing. Do a new thing. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
We celebrate two sacraments, and this morning we have the privilege of being able to celebrate one of them. A sacrament is a means of grace. A sacrament is something that has a, a physical, visible aspect to it, whether it's bread and wine or in baptism, it's water, but also an inter internal, invisible, spiritual aspect. In other words, we believe that as we as a family gather around the Lord's table and share in this family meal, the Lord Himself meets us, the risen Christ meets us to strengthen us, to guide us, to forgive us, to refresh us by His Holy Spirit, to continue to make us new. And in baptism, which is a one-off thing for us, that that is a stepping into the family of God. It's about reflecting the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you've never been baptized, I want to encourage you to be baptized. Because, well, there's a number of reasons. One is because it follows the example of Christ, because Christ commands it, and it demonstrates that you really are a believer. If you've never been baptized, don't put it off. Be baptized. If you're baptized as a child, then I want to encourage you to be confirmed. That's for year 10, age school and above. It's an opportunity for us as adults to say, I believe what was declared over me by my parents and godparents, that's what I believe. And for us in the Church of Ireland, that's the gateway into communion. We respect and we honor and we recognize that happening within another denomination. So if within the Presbyterian Church or Methodist Church or whatever church, if you've gone through some adult initiation in terms of becoming a full member or whatever it happens to be, or communion class, we recognize that that is your public declaration of faith. And the Bible says that we believe in our hearts, we speak with our mouths, and that is all about how we step into our salvation. So if you've never been baptized, do come and talk to us. We'd love to baptize you, either in the pool by immersing you in water or at the font by pouring water over you. And uh, we also encourage children to be baptized. And then for all of us at some point, whether at baptism or confirmation, to have a moment, an adult declaration of faith. And the Bible says that's such an important thing to do. The reason why we do this is, is to mark us out as part of the family of God. And the other sacrament that we have is Holy Communion. And so having declared our faith in baptism or confirmation, we then join with the rest of the family round the communion table. And at its heart, Holy Communion is a very simple act. It's about bread, it's about wine, it's a, it's a simple meal together. But it's also a remembrance, and it's not a dry and dusty just remembering a thing in the past. It's actually about stepping into the presence of God in a new way together, as those who are united in Christ, who love Him and love one another because He first loved us. It's also a symbol, it's a significance. We believe that it is a meeting with Jesus Christ, and it's a statement of faith. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11, for whenever you eat and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes back. This is about us saying, this is our faith. This is who we are. This is who I trust in for now. This is who I trust in for all eternity. I'm 
I'm not hedging my bets. I am saying I believe that I will in Christ pass through death into everlasting life. We prepare for Holy Communion in four main ways, by self-examination, by confession of our sins, by recommitment to live according to the Bible, and to restore broken relationships as far as it depends on us. It's not always within our power, but we do all we can. We take the initiative as far as possible to restore broken relationships. It's also about that self-examination. The thing about being a learner, all of us in some way have been through education processes, and all of us will know if you want to learn, there will always be examinations. It is no different in the Christian life. You'll be glad to hear there's not going to be a thing next week sitting down half an hour to answer all these questions. It's a profound and ongoing reality by the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is constantly examining us. He's testing us. And we should really long for that. Because if we want to become more confident, more joyful, more peaceful, to worry less, to be more courageous and more compassionate, then our trainer, the Holy Spirit, as part of His regimen, uses examination. That's why Psalm 139, David begins by saying, examine me, Lord. Search my heart. See if there's anything that is destructive in me. If there's anything that's displeasing to you, then please show me, Lord, so that you can help me to step out of it. The reason why the Lord does this is because He loves us. The reason why we want to be teachable and to be increasingly childlike is because the Holy Spirit is our trainer. You and I know that some of the life lessons that the Holy Spirit brings us to and through can be pretty tough. And in every one of those challenges, the Lord will seek to bring us to the place where we'll say, sometimes it can take days, weeks, months, sometimes years, the Lord brings us to a place where we say, Lord, you see this difficulty that I'm going through? What do you want me to learn through this. The quicker between the start of the challenge and us asking that question is a signal of the level of our maturity. If it takes minutes, that's a good sign. If it takes years, then we're going to suffer for years until we come to the place where we say, Lord, I know you haven't sent this evil into my life, but you've allowed me to live a saved life in this broken world as an agent for change and good. And in this broken world, I'm experiencing some of the brokenness. Some of the brokenness is caused by me, some by the people around me, some by the devil. There is brokenness. How do you want me to shine in this brokenness? What do you want me to learn through this brokenness? 
the faster we can come to ask that question humbly before God is a signal of our maturity. Next week, we're going to talk about what it means to live together as the family of God. What does it mean to be a member of the church? It's stage one of, of pathway, discovering church membership. And, and then throughout this year, pathway has four stages to it. The next one is to do with maturity, and then ministry, and then mission. And the idea is for us, these two will happen on this week and next week on Sunday mornings. The rest of them will all happen on Saturday mornings. And it'll be a case of coming along and saying, you know, for the maturity one, which is the 24th of February, and there'll be brunch on a Saturday morning. And if you want to say, look, I want to make this membership commitment, I want to, then I want to move on to making a maturity commitment and a ministry commitment and a mission commitment, then you basically just say, I'm on for this, I'm signing up for this, and then come along once a term, we'll have a Saturday morning, and the idea basically is to say, do you want to move on to the next stage in this? And it's not by the end of the fourth stage at the end of this year that we say, well, that's it, it's all sorted. But actually, it's about learning the tools to think about how do I develop the habits to shine like a star in the universe for Jesus Christ. There's just two quotes I want to finish with. The late Eugene Peterson in his book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, which is a great description of what discipleship looks like. And this is the first quote. It is difficult to recognize pride as a sin when it is held up on every side as a virtue urged as profitable and rewarded as an achievement. The philosophical atmosphere in which we dwell is well described in the words of Eugene Peterson. We, we live in a world that sees pride as a, as a virtue that, that wanting to be what we call in our family core, center of attention, is what life is all about. The way of following Jesus is entirely the opposite. And so if we're to thrive in this world, we've got to recognize the soup that we're in which is one that actually says, you know what? Pride and recognition and success are what it's all about. That's why it's really important for us as a church family to encourage one another, to challenge one another, to hold each other accountable, to pray for one another, to bless one another. And together to recognize through reading Scripture, through praying together, through encouraging one another, that actually the fact of the way of Jesus is the way that leads to blessing. And so this is the second quote I thought I'd mention just to finish from Eugene Peterson. Blessing is at the end of the road, 
And that which is the end of the road influences everything that takes place along the road. A joyful end requires a joyful means. Bless the Lord. This journey of pathway is one that I trust and I'm confident of and pray will be one that will lead us into the joy that awaits us at the very end of this journey. A journey when we will stand, as we read last term in the book of Job, in a resurrected physical body, a brand new body, and we'll be able to say, I know that my Redeemer lives because I can see Him with my own eyes. Because we will see Christ in His resurrected body. And we shall each stand together in a new resurrection body. And the joy that we experience will have no limit. And that joy can be experienced increasingly in the here and now. If we're willing to put our hand in the hand of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit and to say, Lord, give me that blessing. Give me that joy that awaits me at the end of this journey. May together we taste it on this pathway. Let us pray. Lord, we just look back for a moment at, at 2023 and Lord, we recognize that it'll have been different and unique for each one of us. And during this last year, some of us will have experienced deep pain, bereavement, loss of someone really dear to us. Some will have experienced tremendous sadness, perhaps through a broken relationship or disappointment or, or there have been a struggle with sickness or, or just in some way where we know that we've really messed up and it has really, it's really caused damage. Lord, we just want to say today that year is over. And we thank you that you are with us and have been with us. And we thank you for this new start today in this new year. Lord, we put our hand in yours and we pray, Lord, that you would bring healing in our lives and transformation in our lives. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to teach us and train us. And Lord, we invite you afresh to examine us because we want to learn, we want to grow so, Lord, come afresh and fill us with your Holy Spirit and give us attuned ears to hear the voice of your Spirit, your words of encouragement and your words of challenge. And, Lord, we thank you that you've given us one another. And we pray your blessing on those around us. We pray your blessing on our brothers and sisters here and throughout the world and we pray, Lord, that you would bless them. Lord, you bless them through us, through me. And Lord, that you would bless us through them. 
so that together, Lord, we, we show what it looks like to live a life of love together. Lord, draw us closer to you, draw us closer to each other. And Lord, we thank you that our future is secure. And we thank you that all of this is because of all that Jesus has done for us on the cross. Thank you, Lord, and fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Lord, do your new thing. Teach us your ways. Bring us on your path. We pray for ourselves. We pray also for our families and children and grandchildren. Lord, we pray for the children, young people of this church as well. Lord, help us to be such an example to them that they will see such compassion and courage in us that they will just think, I want to be just like them. And all this we ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.